Welcome to the Happy Rant Podcast, the podcast in which Stephen Altrogi, Barnabas Piper, and Ted Cluck cheerfully rant about all the things that don't matter all that much. And now, buckle up for today's episode. Hey, welcome to a new era of the Happy Rant Podcast. I'm Ted Cluck, joined by Barnabas Piper, and uh, the newest member of our, uh, of our trinity, of our triumvirates, uh, one Ronnie J. Martin. Big R, how are you, baby? Hey, I'm good. That whole Trinity comment got me a little uncomfortable, but I'll just, I'm going to roll with it. You know, you know what? I wanted, I wanted to put you on edge right away, man, because that was kind of the role that Steven played. He was sort of the, uh, the antagonist here in the group. And, yeah, and sort of the pseudo-heretic. Right. Sort of the pseudo-heretic, sort of the antagonist, but uh, that, that's probably the most edgy thing that will come out of my mouth all day. Yeah, no, that's, that's, yeah, that's rough, man. I don't, I mean, we should probably do a do-over on that one. You know? I'm, I'm Dude, feeling it's, a little it's tough to start over, isn't it? You know what this feels like a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> have you seen uh, Have you seen This Is Spinal Tap, Big R? You know, I feel like to even ask me that verges on me needing to hang up and you guys finding another <laughs> host almost. I know, baby. Yeah. I'm sorry. But you know what? I feel, like, I feel like Derek Smalls when he goes out to do Jazz Odyssey for the first time, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Just a kind of a free-form jazz exploration. That's what this program feels like to me. Because I think that's what it is. Absolutely. I think that's what it is, too. I'm really excited to have you on. Ronnie, of course, comes from a... Uh, a music background comes to us from uh, many years in the music industry uh, and now uh, his years in uh, pastoral ministry as well. So we are, uh, we are stoked to have Ronnie on board. Also uh, stoked to have Lemon Street Mobile on board for another couple weeks as, uh, as a sponsor. I feel like we're, we're just getting to know them, Barnabas, you know, and, and soon we're going to have to say goodbye. But uh, why don't you tell the listeners about, uh, about Lemon Street? Yeah, it's one of the sad things about how relationships work. They, you know, you, you get to know somebody and then they, they love you and leave you. So, uh, Dude, you know, you share, you get vulnerable. And then, right. they, and then they go. And then they break your heart. Uh, but that's not a positive way to talk about our sponsor, so we should probably we should probably move on from that. No, Lemon Street Mobile is a small business based out of Pennsylvania, um, started by a guy named Brian, who is a really, really good guy, also a really, really good phone repairman. Um, so what he is doing is taking his small local business and offering services nationally now. And so our goal is to help him spread the word about it. You can go to lemstreet.com to find out all about their services. Their main things are a protection plan for phones and trade-in services. The deal that you get for being a Happy Rant listener is a 10% discount off of their already really, really good prices. So if you go through, you sign up for your protection plan or you do a trade-in, you will get a 10% discount uh, if you use the code Happy Rant at checkout. And just a, a quick word on their pricing, it's a $69 deductible per transaction. Uh, your average one that you get through a phone service is about $200. So it's a, it's way, way cheaper than that. And then it's $5 a month in, instead of the standard sort of $10 a month through the other one. So his prices are already great. You get 10% off of that. Go to lemstreet.com. Use the code HAPPYRANT at checkout. Uh, you'll be supporting a small business by a great Christian guy who does really good work. So check that out. Outstanding, baby. Thanks for that. Uh, Ronnie, you just got back from uh, from a conference, did you not? Yeah, I did. A little uh, Sojourn Network uh, conference. It was, they call it an intensive. It's a three-day mm. sort of thing where all the uh, all the pastors get together, and it's just nonstop for about three days. What makes, so, it, yeah. what makes it intensive as opposed to <laughs> seminar, conference, colloquium? Like, what, what are we looking at here? <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah, so that's a good question. So they like to inform us that the reason why they give it the word intensive to describe it is because they're not giving us a lot of breaks. 
Uh. So you start in the morning with main sessions. You go to breakouts, main sessions, more breakouts. They don't, I mean, they don't let you out of the cage until dinner time. So it's just nonstop. So, so when do you get your cigar breaks? Because I know that's what pastors' conferences are all about. You know, I mean, yeah. Well, and if you're talking about Sojourn Network, you're talking about bourbon and cigars, of which I bourbon do and either, cigars, unfortunately. So I'm, uh, about I'm a little on the outs. I'm, I'm not allowed to know anything about bourbon. I'm Baptist. I forgot about that. That's yeah, all right. I'm offended yeah. by I'm offended by the word itself. So <laughs> just uh, this is you were offended by being called a member of the Trinity. I'm offended by the word bourbon. We'll just have to offend Ted now and, and complete the triumvirate. Yeah, TK, you're I, off to a great start, man. I think you're I'm offended, offended by everybody. the flavor, which is sort of like paint thinner. But but I, I I think you guys are striking at something, which is sort of the the thirty something kind of white Christian male sort of. Uh, it's incumbent upon us to pretend like we like bourbon and, and cigars and finer things. And, oh, uh, absolutely. And, and yeah. baby, did you see a lot of beards and shaven heads? Uh, you know, there was a lot of time? there was a lot of beards. There was a lot of plaid shirts. There was a lot of very of tight-fitting jeans and mm-hmm. very expensive Red Wing shoes. Or if you were me, H and M knockoffs. Use <laughs> the so, Red Wings, um, baby. Remember the times we used to have at H and M? Oh, back when we used to travel the Midwest with our old program. Yes. You know? Yes, I know those were those were some glory years. I'm feeling left as out. in the nine months that we did the program. Yeah, remember when we used to shop at H and M with Barnabas too, and he would, <laughs> he would right. let's take let's, forever to try things on. Let's revise history, but those tight jeans—they were really nice. I liked those. Outstanding. <laughs> but quick, quick Here's question, a- Ronnie: were, were all of the plaid shirts buttoned to the very top button? Well, you know, there's kind of a weird sort of Miami Vice trend going on. Oh, with so that, they're unbuttoned down to the like it, just above the navel. Down to the it navel. It is, yeah. It's it's uh-huh. sort of like we wear we wear a little bit of like a wife beater underneath the plaid and unbutton it now. So it's getting really wow. loose. It's getting really, really, really uh, just, uh, I think, uncomfortable now. Because I want to see the top of my pastor's chest, man. I mean, that's kind of a absolutely i'm not sure which is better the like the mexican gangbanger look or the miami <laughs> vice look like that's neither one is strikes me as a real pastoral look well somehow they've combined the two and i'm not gonna lie to you boys I, i'm you know i'm thinking a, i'm thinking a you know a move to a29 might be imminent now yeah so yeah we'll maybe is a29 any better though i i envision a lot of the same over there yeah except for it's just a lot bigger and um you know a lot less bourbon so we'll see what there's, there's a uh, there's a bit more of a variety over in Acts 29 too because they've been around a little longer so they've attracted some you know like some of the more run of the mill polo shirts and jeans guys and absolutely there's still the, some of the affliction t-shirt crowd and I mean so, so there's, yeah there's you, a combo got, I think you've I got think a variety Maddie, I think Maddie Chan kind of brought in the polo and, and jeans crowd and you know, dude yeah Maddie Chan you know, bought, he brought in like the the southern frat guy crowd yeah there so it the, is the, the Nautica crowd the Nautica yes. crowd exactly exactly. Yes. Now, baby, there's a there's a kind of unique, a, a unique kind of musical trend among this people group, the sort of the thirty something affluent white guy group, and uh, and Barnabas actually brought this up. We're doing all listener submitted questions today, um, except this one from Barnabas, and it is uh, why why does this particular demographic feel the need to listen to like you know, whiny, mopey, like sad guy music, like Ryan Adams and, uh, and Radiohead and, and you being our resident music expert, man, do you have any thoughts on that? 
Yeah, man. I mean, part of it is just, you know, they're, they're really big on bringing back the old school liturgy and they're, they're really set on kind of bringing out sort of this idea of singing songs of lament and confession. Mm. And so I think it kind of goes in line with this whole idea that we can, you know, we're reformed guys. So we're naturally going to have a, you know, a, a high sort of, you know, uh, sort of aim of seeing our sin for what it is and talking about it quite a bit and singing about it even more. And uh, I think, I think those kind of, I think that that kind of music and those kind of bands sort of, uh, you know, help, uh, you know, cultivate and facilitate that mindset, you know, a little bit better for sure. Now, Barnabas, that's a much more thoughtful answer than, yeah. uh, than I think either of us uh, envisioned. <laughs> I, I think you were just hoping to, to kind of complain about, uh, about to, Ryan Adams again. I was hoping you? to take shots at the people who criticized me for not liking Ryan Adams. That's really what I was going for here. Um, oh, but, but here's the thing. So, so Ronnie, Ronnie is new to the podcast. We have to. This is a whole new dynamic here. We all need to kind of flex. It's like when when uh, Chris Bosh and LeBron James joined or um, joined Dwayne Wade in Miami. They had to figure out their first season was a little rough. They had to right. figure out how they all played off each other. But boy, when they played well together, did they look amazing. So All these all-stars in one yeah, room. Chad, is he talking stars. about basketball right now? Yes. Ronnie, that, he's talking about basketball. It's, a, it's this game with a leather ball that you throw through a hoop. Oh, okay. So the orange ball. Yeah, yeah so it's the, the orange one. Uh, yes, exactly. And so, so this is, you know, it's going to take us a little while to find our groove. So, listeners, bear with us. Um, Ronnie has to learn that, that thoughtful only works in doses on this podcast. Mostly we're looking for uh, insults and sarcasm. Um, wow, Barney. I mean, I thought, man, I thought that was a, I thought that was a dose, man. I, like, let, me, let me repent. No, gonna, no, no, no repenting. I'm a song of no. lament right now and repent to you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah could, that's right. Could you play some minor chords on your guitar and whine into the microphone a little bit and then... Lean into that. Lean into that pain. Yeah, and then, and then uh, possibly a Coldplay cover as well. Um, no, I... Now you just want me to sound like Al Trogi and I'd like to break away from that. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I just... So, so uh, several episodes ago, something about Ryan Adams came up. I don't even remember. It was it was after he had covered Taylor Swift's album. Yes, and I basically said I've never heard this guy. And then I went and listened to about half of two songs because that was all I could stomach. Because he sounded That's about like all a, I made it through as well. He sounded like he sounded like a whiny frat boy covering Bob Dylan in a bar, and. Uh, and it was – I just didn't enjoy it. And the same goes for Radiohead. I've tried to listen to Radiohead before and they give me a headache after about two minutes. And I am of the the precise demographic that's supposed to like whiny white guy music. Uh, and for the most part, I just – I don't enjoy it. And I, I feel like a bit of a musical outcast for not enjoying it. And I don't understand the pressure. Like why – why can't I just listen to, I don't know, James Brown and Stevie Wonder and and uh, various other types of music that, that are not whiny white guy music? B-Pipe, you enjoy whatever you want to listen to. Far be it from me to judge you. I don't even judge myself or my own musical taste. So you have no guilty pleasures because there's just no guilt. Oh, I literally, I don't care what, I don't care what I listen to. I don't apologize for anything I like or not. Yeah, who cares? Listen to whatever you want. It's music. There's enough of it to go around, man. So you, you keep listening to Stevie Wonder. You keep pretending you like the things you like. And all these Ryan, <laughs> all these Ryan Adams fans will continue to pretend to like what they like. And we, we'll all live happily ever after. I love after. it. See, we'll all pretend together. Does anybody Absolutely. actually like it or do they just pretend? 
You know, I think I think they like it because the context they're in requires them to not being allowed to listen to anything else that doesn't sort of live up to that sort of artistic, what they would say, excellence. I would totally disagree with that. So I would love to know what you listen to, though, B-Pipe. So lay, lay it on us. Well, I... I listen to a lot of music that people a lot older than me tend to like. So I like I like jazz. So I've been on an Oscar Peterson kick lately. Yeah. Uh, I like R and B. So like old school R and B, like the James Browns and the Otis Reddings and uh, Stevie Wonder, which is not quite so old school. Uh, I like I like hip hop th- from like the '90s and early 2000s. The last 10, 12 years have not been as strong in my by my tastes. Uh, I'm loath to call a lot of stuff crappy music except for bro country. That all sucks. Um, yeah. <laughs> I like I like country. I like the Alan Jackson kind of country, not the the Luke Bryan fake country kind of stuff. So I'm kind of all over the map, but not. I feel like not a lot of music that's been made in the last like ten years, except for oh, except for I do like Mumford and Sons and I like the Lone Bellow. So I'm not totally untrendy. Uh, well, be pipe. Here's what's ironic: the irony about every every artist and band you just listed off would be like every every sort of snobby bearded red wing wearing like white guy listening to mopey music would all <laughs> list the band you listed in those genres man so you're you're just there you just lack all the mopey white british guy stuff yeah i it, man. i don't you know, know but you you lack the ethos to go with it like you're not you're not shaven head bearded you know thick glasses guy like sort of being a you, you know, being that way about this music. You maybe, know I mean? maybe if I was physically capable of growing a beard, I would just inherently like this stuff more. But the fact that it looks like dirt on my face when I try to grow one, I think it just sort of it keeps me on the fringes of this this sub- subset of society. You know what? Yeah, you're just probably somebody that people would actually want to hang out with, Barnabas. So don't <laughs> yeah, worry. yeah, you're not completely repellent and smug, <laughs> so therefore. You're not really qualified to talk about this stuff. Oh. <laughs> Good. I mean, I, I always feel out of place talking music because I don't keep up with any new music. I like old music. So I'm, uh, I'm, I always come to everything about a year or two late. And so it's just, I, I feel, uh, I feel somewhat, not inferior, but I feel judged often yeah. for my, my complete lack of interest in the Ryan Adamses of the world. Well, and speaking of feeling judged and speaking of kind of this whole, you know, red wing beard uh, subculture that we've been speaking of, uh, we had a listener throw us a great question. Um, and it's this, like for for a subculture, you know, kind of, you know, the, the reformed leaning evangelical kind of go- gospel coalition type crowd, the gospel type culture um, for being so good at talking about and writing about and thinking about the gospel. Uh, why do we create kind of so much law in our uh, in our day-to-day lives and church lives um when when grace is supposed to be the thing right when grace is supposed to be the thing that uh that that kind of drives all of it and uh i don't know i thought that was a really insightful question and um i don't know i'm sure i'm sure you guys have examples of what this looks like well i think it's i think it's uh it's especially interesting because so traditionally it's law versus gospel sort of legalism mm-hmm. versus grace and so there's this whole sort of gospel centered everything mm-hmm. movement and gospel is an adjective and it's an adverb and it's a you know it's it's probably a brand of clothing too or something and uh <laughs> but when when you get conferences like together for the gospel but you define the gospel as five point calvinism 
for example. You have right. created a law that says precisely what the gospel is, and you sort of you've ruled out a whole bunch of people, or you say. You, you start calling gender issues a gospel issue. Well, now you've taken gender issues and turned them into a law that defines the gospel and all of these kinds of things. I mean, not to mention just the moralistic side of things, which still exists because a lot of these gospel-centered uh, groups and people are pretty pretty strict on a lot of things. So it's, I don't know, I just look at it and I'm like, if it's a gospel of grace, there sure are a lot of, there sure are a lot of uh, fences that have been built around it to keep, mm-hmm. to keep a lot of people out, as far as I can tell. Yeah, dude. For me, it's it's the fact that you know if you go to one of these churches, and I and I have by my own choice for the last fifteen years, and they and they've been wonderful. You know, they've been they've been for the most part amazing churches. But I mean, I think just culturally right now, like you know, in in this subculture, church can't be a minute less than two hours. Like if you're not if you're not sitting there for two hours, and if you're not standing for an hour of that. Like then, then you haven't really done church, you know. So it's it's sort of almost becoming this Puritan exercise and endurance every Sunday morning, you know. And then you add to that the <laughs> the, the hour long evening service, and then I throw an hour of Sunday school onto the front end of it, man. And you got half a work day. You're you just know? describing Presbyterianism, T. I mean, come on, let's be honest, man. I know, baby, but it's it's you know what I'm saying. You come to my church, it's going to be a buck fifteen. I mean, and really that's a, a buck fifteen, baby. Are you kidding me? That's a long morning for us. A buck fifteen, and like oh, forty-five minutes of that is whiny white guy music. So the sermon yeah. part is really short. <laughs> nice. We and sing for sermon twenty minutes. Bite. I preach for forty. We do a follow-up song. We eat, man. It's we keep it pretty stripped. Do you down. We eat keep within the hour and fifteen? Is is eating within the hour and fifteen, or is that no? Is that we have another forty-five time? to eat. We probably okay. spend more time eating than we do worshiping. But that, of course. Is worship because because the food is, a gospel is awesome. Issue, buddy pipe. That's right. Because eating is it's a gospel, gospel issue. Food. So is eating too much. Gluttony also a gospel issue. Absolutely. Uh, which is something that pastors should probably pay more attention to. That's Look, here's the issue. deal. So the go- the you know we we create industries out of everything. So as soon as we can stamp gospel on something, and we can have conferences with the word gospel, which by the way I think is a return to some really good things. But at oh, the yeah. same time, we've created an industry out of it, and whenever you create an industry out of it, it has to. It has to stay true to the things that are making it and maintaining what it what it, its original objectives were. And That's, I think we're just seeing this sort of flesh out. I wonder where it's going to be in 15 years. I wonder our kids are going to grow up and they're just going to be like fully like Arminian, like that you guys got this gospel thing all wrong. This is Church insanity. will be 45 minutes, you know, the <clears throat> yeah. sermon will once be a month. Minutes. Yeah. 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 It's once a month. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm literally just so fearful to see where your guys' kids are going to like go from this. Your guys. Yes. Yeah. So you, do you have kids, Ronnie? I have a 20 year old. Yes. Okay. So you're, you already know where your kids are going. And so fear, fear is no longer a factor or what? Well, I, I don't know where my kid is going. It's just, she's not a kid anymore. So I don't know where my adult is going, but right. your kids. Right. Yeah. The our jury's out our young one. children, we still have plenty of chances to screw them up. Dude, I, our young children who have been in like, you know, reformed churches their entire lives. And, and as a result have sat through just untold hours of church already, because that's what you, uh, <laughs> cause that's what they do. 
Yeah. I think it's really interesting what Ronnie said about the uh, making an industry out of it. I hadn't really thought of it in those terms. And, uh, and, and you know, thinking about, about it from the business side of things, you have to remain true to your brand. You know, so oh, what yeah, is your, what's your brand stand for? How are you presenting your products? Is this something they're going to buy? And then you have to think about, okay, who are we going to associate ourselves with? So if we invite this person in to represent our brand, is it off-brand? And the same thing mm-hmm. is true for conferences and blogs and whatever else. And you get somebody who's off-brand. And all of a sudden, your 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 audience is all up in arms because ah, so and so is not reformed enough, or so and so is too egalitarian. I hadn't really thought about it in those terms, but it does really seem like a like a business complex issue as much as anything. Well, then what happens when the people you know what what happens when some of the people ditch out on the brand or they have the you know obviously we're talking about the moral failures and those things happen and it kind of dilutes the brand a little bit. I guess my question for you boys is like where do we where do we see this naturally fleshing out if we want to get a little prophetic? If yeah, you know, yeah. where do we see this fleshing out in ten years? You know, I'm dude, I, honestly, I thought the bubble would have burst by now. You know what I? You know what I mean? I mean, I think by two or three years ago, I thought everybody who was going to go to one of these conferences would have gone. Everybody who was going to buy books in this space would have bought the books, and and all the stuff would have been said. So, I mean, I thought we were going to see the 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 sort of downturn by now. But uh, but what's crazy is there doesn't seem to be a downturn yet. You know, there, there's all these people still, you know, kind of identifying with the brand well, from a, a marketing standpoint. It hadn't been around long enough for pe- for the audience to start dying off yet. That's true. I mean, it's it, there's no sort of natural attrition at this point. And the thing is, like this particular flavor of of audience. So if you look at something like say the like Catalyst, this dude, they're young. Thing. This flavor is young, man. Yeah. So if you look at something like Catalyst, like it's just its leadership, and they've been around for thirteen years, and they started with a bunch of people in like their late twenties who are now in their early forties, mm-hmm. and so they're just sort of aging with them, and the numbers are diminishing. They're not getting a lot of fresh blood, things like that. At least at the conference attendance. Mm-hmm. But you look at something like this gospel-centered crowd, and this is like the most fervent pseudo rabid crowd and so they're not gonna let go unless they just go crazy and so well, dude, and the, the the funny thing about that crowd is that you're never more convinced that you know everything than when you're young and you know part of that subculture is sort of by definition about knowing everything so i mean there, I, there's some older representatives of that uh, particular crowd who are pretty certain they know everything too True, for sure, man. But I think just from a sustaining the audience standpoint, yes. I mean, you've got these, you know, scores of, of kids just pouring into this thing every every year who who kind of really identify with that, you know. Do you think, though, that we're – do you think that we're – there could be the possibility – let me just throw this out there – that we're actually creating sort of a new um, – almost like a – Gosh, almost like a, I don't know if it would be, I don't know what the word is, in the sense that do you think in 50 years there's going to be a way to describe, you know, where you're at doctrinally or denominationally by not saying reformed anymore, but just saying gospel center? Dude, I think that's already almost in place, don't you, Barnabas? I in a subculture, yeah. Like if you if you function in in the generally reformed world and you say gospel centered, everybody has a general sense of what you mean, and nobody has a specific sense of what you mean. Like nobody actually knows what that means, but we all know what camp you fall in. But if you say gospel centered in, in broader evangelicalism, um, you know, you go to a place where there's multiple denominations and and things like that. It's it's a relatively meaningless term. It's a, or it's a term that, that takes a lot of explanation because 
because it's just it's uh, it's inside baseball talk in a sense. Like it's or it's just like the word yeah. evangelical. You have to yeah. everybody kind of thinks, hey, we preach the Bible. Why, how are we not gospel centered? Yeah, exactly. Evangelical. Right. It's it's a term that everybody knows what it means and nobody knows what it means. And gospel centered is is uh, quickly approaching that. It's just that it's like the reformed version of that. And so it, maybe it's just replaced reformed because it's less uh, it's e- more easy to defend and less easy to criticize. Absolutely. And that's kind of what I meant. If we're going to sort of replace the reformed word or the, Cal, you know, describing yourself as, as, you know, Calvinistic, I wonder if it's just going to morph into that and it'll be something that's a little more palatable for people that have had such sort of a pushback against, uh, you know, against reformdom, you know, for the past hundred years. And I, I get that because I, I don't like the term Calvinist. You know, I, I mean, if somebody was to ask me if I was Calvinist, I, I would not answer the question with a definitive yes or no. Uh, but I'm not sure that saying I'm a gospel-centered Christian is any better. It just sounds really sanctimonious to me. <laughs> nice. Well, fellas, speaking of uh, of sanctimonious, um, let's talk about sports, shall we? Oh, wow, that sounds uh, uh, Ronnie's driving this one, right? That's what I understood to yeah, be Yeah, Ronnie's our, Ronnie's our sports guy, man. We're just going to let him riff because he loves – Dude, he loves that breadbasket of the Midwest, kind of Cleveland, Cincinnati ethos of uh, oh, I just eat it of the up. local team just being yeah. everything. Right? I mean, if if he could have one motto, it's probably three yards in a cloud of dust, right? Three yards. He's a Woody Hayes guy. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Now, That's maybe, all uh, I can say. Somebody says when, when local team plays on Saturday, do you uh, do you put on the jersey and the the old one bar helmet and uh, and and cheer for local team? Oh, absolutely. Just like it was back in the day with me and you, Big T. Absolutely, yeah. man. Now, Barnabas, you may not uh, you may not know this, and um, this this may be a little too uh, a little too too raw of a place to go on our first show together. But uh, Ronnie is actually a he's a sports movie aficionado. Oh, really? And, uh, I didn't know this. I didn't know this until like a year or two into our friendship when we were I don't know if we were traveling or we were doing some book thing together, and um, we were at a we were at like a used record store that also sold DVDs, and um, I was flipping through these DVDs. And I ran across uh, Rocky Balboa, which is like Rocky Six. <laughs> yeah, you know? it's like the Rocky that nobody wants to admit exists. Dude, right? It's it's Rocky Six, and I ran across it, and it was just a couple bucks, and I really wanted to buy it. But I had I had that moment of like the catch in my spirit where I'm like, man, if I buy this in front of Ronnie, he's probably going to think, you know, I have no taste or whatever. I should be buying like, you know, I don't know, the Bicycle Thief or whatever in front of this guy. <laughs> <laughs> but so I pick it up and I'm reading it, and he. He's like, dude, Rocky Balboa. He's like, you want to, you want to buy that? You want to watch it? And um, and this started sort of the uh, the open the openness about sports movies. And it turns out we uh, Ronnie loves uh, any given Sunday. Rocky, Rocky Balboa. We I think we watched Rocky Balboa together, didn't we, baby? Absolutely. It was like a dream. After that super promising publishing meeting that we took that went nowhere. Remember that? <laughs> how, how can I forget? Where well, in, and, where and which in? one? Which one are you referring to? Is there, is there a statute of limitations on um, on naming names on, of publishing companies and publishing groups at this point, dude? No, I have, I have no I have no uh, compunction about that at all, man. No, it was Zondervan and uh, oh, Big R well, was then. yeah, Big R was in town for a little while. I, I forget what for. You you had spoken in one of my classes, or you came with me to class at Cornerstone. Yes, and uh, and this rep from Zondo was like, I really want to I really want to take you guys out to dinner. I think you're. You know, your writing voices are so fresh. You know, we really want to do a project together. Um, so we went out to dinner, man. It was it was three of us, you know, me, Big R, and this, uh, and this rep. And the conversation was, was on point, man. We were witty. We were on. 
And it was that moment, Barnabas, where you get in the car and you drive home and you're just like, man, life is full of possibilities. You know, this could literally go anywhere. And, um, and of course, it went nowhere in that <laughs> I think we, we sent her some documents and some samples and we, we literally never heard from her again. It was as though she had died. I hope she hasn't, actually. Well, knowing Zondervan, she probably left the company or uh, moved to a different position and they failed to mention who the replacement was. Uh, they're, they're a turnover machine, as yeah, are, and I think as she are many large. She at dinner that it was her last day at work. You know, that would have been a good thing to know. <laughs> During I would, the appetizer I course. would absolutely love to do a project with you guys uh, just not with Zondervan because I won't right. be there any longer. After I finish grad school, you know, in six years. When my what. internship ends. Yeah, when my internship ends. Or- yeah. What you considered to be a Zondervan representative was actually their receptionist who was just auditing the class. And <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you exactly. just didn't realize it. She was auditing the class and she'd somehow finagled her way into the, uh, the, the company credit card for an evening. But... Um, Anyway, where are we going with this? We're going with something about sports and sports we were movies. Going into sports, yeah. yeah the, the fact that Big R is kind of a sneaky sports fan, I think, is the thing. And if you if you were to just you know search for him online and and run across you know the the Burgundy Years video or whatever, you wouldn't immediately know that this is a guy who uh, you know who cares about uh, about sports films. <laughs> <laughs> I care about sports movie films, you know. Movies. So that's yeah, yeah that's, so that, that's what we're talking about: okay. sports movie and fiction novels, right? <laughs> And fiction well, story novels, yes. Fiction story novels. The question from the reader was, um, why is it that uh, sports teams, pro sports teams in particular, are so uh, kind of averse to trying new things? So you see kind of year after year the same offenses being run, the same you know, kind of personnel being swapped around, the same coaches kind of getting recycled and getting, getting jobs. And I, I feel like this is apropos, Barnabas, because our – uh, our, our humble little program here, the Happy Rant, is going through a similar transition in that, you know, bringing on Ronnie might be akin to like, you know, Lindy Infante getting hired again or like Joe Bugle or, you know, one of these one of these uh, coaches who's been with another podcast just being grafted into ours. I feel we, much- we could have gone with the young, unproven sort of upstart coach with, you know, hired from the college ranks or something. And yeah, yeah. I guess I guess we did precisely what this question is about. And we went to more of the. Uh, the proven commodity, in the sense of you know having had having had some success in in a similar kind of arena, we yeah we we figured that was the way to go. And uh, he executes our system, you know. It's, he's a system guy. Yeah, and and has the experience, so it's a relatively smooth transition. Not a lot of not a lot of on the job training, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. What do, what do you think the reader was getting at with this question, man? I think it was uh, it it just had to do with the. You know, every year in, in the NFL or really any sport, uh, coaches or managers get fired. Mm-hmm. And they always get replaced by, well, not always, most of the time they get replaced by somebody who was mediocre elsewhere. So a recent example would be the Washington Nationals in baseball uh, fired their manager uh, one year after he won the National League Manager of the Year, by the way. Um, so they fire him and they bring in Dusty Baker who was a mediocre manager with the Cubs. Who's managed like every team in Major right. League Baseball over the past 20 years. So he he uh, he led the Cubs to the playoffs, but also killed the careers of Mark Pryor and Kerry Wood. Uh, <laughs> he then managed the Reds to a thoroughly mediocre several years and then went into the to be a mediocre broadcaster, and now he's going to go be a mediocre manager and probably ruin Steven Strasburg's career as well. So 
why would they hire him and not somebody who's an upstart? Now, the NBA is better at this than other leagues. So you see, like this year, for example, two different teams brought in guys from college, proven college coaches, mm-hmm. but that's that's an uncommon thing. And so Very. that's, that's kind of cool to see. Um, and then in the NFL, it's like uh, statistics show that you should never punt if you're outside of your own like 30-yard line. Like if you never punt and you go for it on every fourth down, right. you – you will score something like one and a half more points per game. If you always go for the two-point conversion instead of kicking the extra point, you'll score something like a half a point more per game. I mean, just all you have to do is com- is do 50% or better on the two-point conversions, and you score more sure. points. But nobody will do it. Nobody will make the change, and it's there's just sort of this risk aversion. And uh, so I don't know. I think, the, I think the listener was just trying to figure out why is there this whole sort of like – it's like a combination of old boys club – and the complete aversion to trying anything new, even if statistics indicate that it would be a smart thing to do. Dude, absolutely. And, and Big R, I feel like there's got to be some like music industry parallels here, man. And I, I guess I was there's thinking certainly of, church parallels. Yeah, definitely church parallels yeah, where no doubt. Yeah, change happens kind of glacially. But um, I, I guess the, the band that came to mind was the, uh, the Newsboys, which I think is like all the original members of DC Talk now. <laughs> so... In the same way that it happens in sports, I think it also happens in uh, in, in other industries. And I, yeah, I guess the message is that we're just uh, we're just averse to change. Do we like formulas? I mean, if something works, we like to stick with it because ultimately it's it equates to success. And we're just we're you know we're uh, we're not uh, you know we're we're prone to to uh, you know not not kind of uh, you know aligning ourselves with our fears, figuring out new ways to do things. And prog- we're not really into progressing, are we? It kind of brings up the idea of, pro- of progressive, uh, you know, movements within whether it's sports or music or any of those types of things. And there's a fear that we're not going to be liked, not we're not going to succeed. And um, I think it just drives us. I think, I think that fear just drives all of us in whatever Dude, yeah, realm we're in. I agree. I think so many sports decisions, uh, Barnabas, are made out of fear, you know, which is why uh – I'm excited. I'm excited to see Johnny Manziel uh, get his uh, his his one of his first significant starts tonight. Yeah, uh, for the Browns. I mean, that feels like a uh, a step in a less kind of you know boring and traditional direction. But uh, of course, if it fails miserably, then then you and I will look bad yet again. But here's here's the thing: even if it succeeds, as soon as McCown is healthy, he's going to be back as the starter because yeah. because we can't you can't take a risk and run with it. You only try it. And you go. I mean, it's it's like if a coach ever goes for the two point conversion and it succeeds, it doesn't give them more confidence. It gives them a sense of relief that they didn't blow it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think I think what's interesting is that uh, it it doesn't even matter if these things work. In fact, it's fairly proven that if you hire a mediocre coach or manager, he's going to continue being a mediocre coach or manager, <laughs> and yet exactly. teams keep doing it. And so it's more about comfort level than it is what will actually work. Who? Are we are we comfortable stepping outside of this box? Nope. Well, we're just going to keep doing the same crappy job that we've been doing, and and hire somebody similar. And it's uh, you know, it's why Dusty Baker now has a managerial job. Not to he's not the quintessential uh, example of this, but he's just the most recent. Absolutely, guys. We're almost out of time, man. And I feel like if if this were a television program, uh, the thing that I would do now as a as a producer would be to cue up the kind of the sad, soft focus retrospective of Steven's career and his run with the show. <laughs> and I mean, I was really struggling with how do, do, do we do we owe Steven some sort of verbal retrospective, man. So if 
What's, if you don't, yeah, it's like if somebody dies, you you can't just not talk about them anymore. I feel like we owe him a little bit of a yield. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even mm. though he could be back in three weeks, and he probably will. But uh, <laughs> that's right. We we this just just so listeners know, Ronnie is on a week to week contract here. This is not. Yeah. We didn't sign him to like a big three year deal. There's it's the good, NBA equivalent of like a ten day. I mean, he is he is our Johnny Manziel, and it's very possible that. Uh, that Josh McCown being Stephen Altrogi, and that's a very fitting That is such a fitting right analogy right uh, there. Could, could be back within the next few weeks. Now, Ted and I uh, have to have to play politics here and say that we would be thrilled in, in both instances. Yeah, we wow. really... You know, well, I don't really have a com- good comeback to that B-pipe. <laughs> well, you're Johnny Manziel. So you're Johnny Manziel. You, you come out looking awesome. Johnny Manziel is, is somebody Ted and I both uh, have great appreciation for. So We're excited uh, about the new so, direction. So much that affirmation the right now. I feel like I can go anywhere. <laughs> but, we, but we really appreciate the past <laughs> contributions of, uh, of Josh McCown slash Stephen Altrogi. You yeah, know. yeah. I mean, I feel like maybe we should go around the circle and say one thing we appreciated about Stevens' uh, hosting tenure. I mean, he hosted sixty episodes of this. Dude, was uh, it that many episodes? It that's was. unbelievable. I know it almost makes me want to retire. Um, Dude, my favorite Steven-related moment, and uh, th- this might have been a Ronnie Martin episode. Actually, um, there there was one where I was opening my mail on the air. And then I actually I walked I walked outside to, to to put another letter into the mailbox, and then I came back in, and there was all the noise. And and Stephen, yeah, especially in the early uh, days of the show, he would get he would get really mad at me on the air. He'd get like audibly upset and kind of harumphy. At, uh, <laughs> Ted, you know what are what? you what are you doing, Ted? Why is what's what that are you noise? Doing? It sounds like a factory in there. You know. <laughs> well, there's the. I mean, I, there was one time when you you were uh, you were probably recording close to your kitchen and somebody was putting away pots and pans, and it was uh, it was it was really it sounded loud. like a foundry. You know, I, it sounded like <laughs> Bethlehem steel. That's right. I I mean it. Which uh, yeah, which Ronnie being in the in the old Rust Belt area the of the country Belt. will understand, but uh, yeah, most absolutely. most listeners won't. But no, I I always appreciated the uh, the tension between you and Stephen, which I don't think mm-hmm. you found very tense. But but he would get <laughs> so uh, what's the word? Uh, I think pissy is the right word about yeah. uh, about like when you would argue about editing changes and things oh, like that. Yeah, and uh, we've actually had listeners wonder where the tension went. And uh, I don't know if that's a sign of us maturing or losing this key element of uh, of, of creative tension. But I, I always enjoyed listening to that because I never played any role in it whatsoever. And uh, it was it was fascinating and really, really funny. Yeah, Stephen and I didn't see eye to eye on a lot of that stuff, man. And I feel like that that, that did provide some great energy on the on the program. I know. We need to find some things that we don't see eye to eye on, which might be hard because I think you have a, uh, a rather laissez-faire, I don't care attitude about things. <laughs> Ronnie, Ronnie being the relative new guy is unlikely to come out uh, throwing haymakers, although we we encourage haymakers. That's fine. You know, we've got to give it a few more episodes. Let's be honest. I'll probably be off the program by then, but I think if we give it a few <laughs> yeah, more yeah. episodes. The one thing I liked about Altrug, I think it was I think it was one of the one of the two times or three times I was on was when you guys were hinting towards a person that I had figured out was no less than Rachel Held Evans. Oh. I think I said her name seven or eight times after I mm. found out that he was saying, no, we can't say that name on Dude, the Yeah, air. we weren't allowed, man. We had a gag order on the program where we couldn't, we couldn't mention her by name. It was too painful. So, But I think that kind of frees us up. If we want to talk about Rachel Held Evans, we can say Rachel Held Evans, and we can document some factoids about Rachel Held Evans. And if Rachel Held Evans... it's so freeing. We can also also fabricate some of them as well, if if need be. I mean, that's... Mm. 
fact facts are you know never let facts get in the way of a good story so uh I'd, I'd say yeah that's that's a good one i yeah he was there was just certain things that he found very uh he just he he didn't want to go there um which which led for sort of a a subtweet style of of podcasting in some cases where we would talk about very specific people in somewhat generalized ways and we would all know who we were referring to, but nobody else would. And uh, we got called out for it on more than one occasion by the person who knew we were talking about them, which was which is a lot of fun. Absolutely. I mean, one can only wonder what he's going to think when he listens to today's broadcast. I think he will feel honored. You know, <laughs> I think he will feel regretful. You know, a little a little tinge of regret. You know, it's yeah. sort of like it's standing on the sidelines and watching somebody else play your position. It's absolutely. not an easy thing. You know, you're uh, on a retirement tour. You get the you get the rocking chair. You know, yes. but you have to then watch uh, your your teammates. You know, going out there and making uh, making radio magic without. I you. mean, I feel Al Trogi's going to just descend into the corner of his basement, writing another verse for "Behold Our God," which again oh. will benefit what I do personally. Yeah, but um, I'm just afraid for his own sake. You know, I'm That's not going to be. I can lie to you on that one. But I mean, in, in all seriousness, we really do hope his rehab is going well, and uh, they might not even let him have electronics in there. It's sort of a rubber room facility. So um, we we do send our best wishes to him and to his family. We know this is a, a challenging time. We hope that the uh, we hope that the, the he kicks the addictions and that he he can sort his way out of these gambling debts, and uh, and then that that the rest of retirement for however long it lasts is. is just wonderful. And B Pipe, where can listeners send those well wishes and cards? Um, wanna... Yeah, you can send them to uh, happyrantpodcast at gmail dot com, and uh, we, we we will we will Ooh. make sure they are delivered with the weekly mail. They'll have to be read by the guards first, as is generally the case in these these higher security facilities. But we'll make sure they get to him. And you know what? If we get a hold of some of those, we uh, we we've got some connections on the inside. We will read those on the air. So if you want to write uh, a, a letter of of support to Stephen Altrogi, um, send it to the aforementioned email address, and uh, and we will read it on the air. Uh, guys, Barnabas, I don't even remember what was Stephen's uh, sign off. It had something to do with to and far, to and fro, to and far. <laughs> he he could not say we've wandered to and fro. He would mm. always say to and far, and mm. uh, a number of listeners of the more grammarian ilk would uh, <laughs> would would tweet regularly at us asking him to to correct that which he either was incapable of doing or had no interest in doing well uh, what would he say after two and far though i feel like there was another he was always piece the heck out oh yeah i can't say that man i can't do that because i would never say that well no that's, so, that's absolutely that. stealing somebody else's sign off i mean that would be like doing a here's johnny kind of thing and like you that's somebody else's catchphrase so, so you, gotta, I today, you gotta have your own today i'm gonna end with i'm gonna say it correctly so i'm gonna say we've wandered to and fro and then, because I have the freedom and the space to do this now, uh, I'm just going to close with the name Rachel Held Evans. All right? <laughs> All right. So, folks, we've wandered to and fro. This has been the Happy Rant Podcast. Rachel Held Evans. Life Audio presents Bridges with Monica Schmelter. That we have an enduring hope that can't be taken away when we are in Christ. And to know that we have that, right? and eternal salvation because this world can be so busy and so dark that we can forget that right right because sometimes i get caught in the trappings of what's going on in my life this moment and while i have to recognize that that's not it continue listening on lifeaudio.com or wherever you find your podcast